Boom. Oh, that's awesome. Sorry, I don't want the tie like on your eyes. <laughs> don't think there's any other way, babe. Okay, all right. Come on. I'm gonna trip. You're not gonna trip. I got you. I promise you. Uh -huh. <laughs> Keep going. Sir, get out of the way. No, no, okay. Sarah, move, bitch. Like, move it up so you can see a little bit. All right, all right. To the right. Damn it, the dog fucked up the couch. All right, sit. Sit down. Stay there. Don't peek, motherfucker. Do not peek. Okay, cool. All right, let me shut the door real quick. All right, give me your purse. You gotta set your shit down. Give me your drink. I'm being sweet as fuck, woman. Get it together. Are you together? Your tie, the tie is so not on your eyes. You've totally peaked. You've peaked so hard. You totally peaked. No. Yeah, you did. No, yes, you did. No, I didn't. My eyes have been closed the entire time. You totally peaked. No. You totally peaked. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Oh. Yeah. I decided to be sweet. Yeah. I was being sweet. <laughs> I got everything and I was being sweet. <laughs> If I can't spend it with you, definitely sucks if I can't spend it with you. Yeah, I know what you're doing. I know, I'm being sweet as fuck. Thank you. And there's one more surprise, sweetheart. Oh, yeah? Yes. It's a big surprise. You're going to love it. You might be a little mad at me about it. Mad at you? Kind of. I think so. What'd you do? I did something. <laughs> I definitely did something. I did something bad. Yeah, I did something bad. Mm -hmm. Definitely did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. I'm going to put the blindfold back on. I'm going to go get on? it. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to put it back on so I can go get it. All right? How about, how about? No. You're getting blindfolded again. Come on. Here, you put it on yourself. <laughs> put it on yourself. Put it on to where you actually can't see this time. I know I fucked it up the first time. There. All right. <laughs> Sit up straight. <laughs> Hunching over. I, I know. I suck at sitting straight. Well, sit up straight. All right. You ready? Sure. Okay. I made a card for you. Remove the blindfold. Yeah! Okay. That's you cheating on me. Uh, so get the fuck out of my house right now. Okay. I'm glad you drove an hour for no fucking reason. And this is going on YouTube, sweetheart. I, I know you don't care because oh. you're a whore. 
Get the fuck out. Get out. Get out of my house right now. Leave. Hey, bitch. <laughs> hey, bitch. Leave YouTube. You're going to be famous, sweetheart. Hey, I got a front and dude, back so picture of I've your ID. It leave. Leave and leave. Get out. Really Get gross. out. Get out. Hey, bye, bitch. Hey, get the fuck out of my house. Welcome to Strange Talk. Hey strangers, it's Valentine's Day, and hopefully you're listening to this with your loved one, maybe you're giving them a good old fashioned, or maybe you're just performing a good old howdy duty to the Franken noodle. That doesn't really make sense, I know. But anyways, uh, fuck it. It's Valentine's Day, it's the day of love. Uh, so you're listening to this hopefully on Valentine's Day. If not, it's probably going to be a little fucking weird that you're listening to this on another day. But who knows? Maybe you're listening to this on your way to go eat or whatever. But I will tell you what. Going out for dinner on Valentine's Day is the fucking worst. The fucking worst because it takes hours for you to get a fucking table because everybody wants to go out on fucking Valentine's Day. But you know what? You should be celebrating your love for one another <laughs> without it being on a particular day because you know what february is supposed to be about black history month but again blacks always have to i feel like that's super racist for me to say it that way but again um african americans are always fucking given the shaft to get the shortest fucking month of the year but anyways so the reason why i'm doing it in particular doing this episode in particular is because it's valentine's day so i thought why not spread the love than with good old fashioned murder because we're gonna talk about murders and just straight up true crime that fucking happened on the day of love if not around not if not on the day then at least around valentine's day we're gonna we're not in particular the valentine's day massacre everybody knows about that if you don't i'll give you a brief description it was basically a fucking gang war that basically happened I don't know if it was on Valentine's Day or if it was on a street named Valentine's Day. I'm not too familiar with that incident. I just remember it's called the Valentine's Day Massacre. And if I don't, if I do believe so, there is a band, at least a hardcore band, a post-hardcore band, that's called the Valentine's Day Massacre. But anyways, I digress. So we're going to dive into a couple tales of murder and just crimes of passion that happened on Valentine's Day. So, you know... While you're stroking your man, or you're flicking that bean for your lady, then uh, maybe this will get you guys going, get you off. So let's dive into the Valentine's Day murders. So before I go into the Valentine's Day murders, or murders that took place on or around Valentine's Day, the reason I just thought I'd give a brief description, just in case you didn't know, and because I'm... I just want to push out this, ep- not push out, but I want to extend the life of this episode because why not? But the reason why we fucking celebrate Valentine's Day is not because, well, it used to be because it was about love, but now it's about corporate America just shoving down chocolates and flowers because believe it or not, Valentine's Day, flowers are, the prices for flowers are fucking jacked up, like jacked the fuck up. So that's it, the worst time to buy flowers. You, you, even if, I think... You're good if you buy the flowers the day before, um, but even then, like if you're going online, 
yeah, it's the prices are going to be fucking ridiculous. So every February 14th across the United States and in other places around the world, candy, flowers, and gifts are exchanged between loved ones, all in the name of St. Valentine. But who is this mysterious saint, you ask? And where did the tr- these traditions come from? The history of Valentine's Day and the story of its patron saint is shrouded in mystery. We do know that February has long been celebrated as a month of romance and St. Valentine's Day. As we know it today, contains vestiges of both Christian and ancient Roman tradition. But who was St. Valentine, and how did he become associated with this ancient rite? The Catholic Church recognizes at least three different saints named Valentine or Valentinius, all of whom were martyred. One legend contains that Valentine was a priest who served during the 3rd century in Rome, when Emperor Claudius II decided that single men made better soldiers than those with wives and families, so he outlaw marriage for young men. Valentine, realizing the injustice of the decree, defied Claudius and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. When Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. Yes, he was put to death. That's the one that I heard. That's like the number one that I heard. And it was funny because um at work the other day i actually uh spoke to somebody about that when we were talking about valentine's day because he said the same thing that i said in the beginning was that like valentine's day is shit man all it is is just fucking companies just trying to get you to buy shit other stories suggest that valentine may have been killed for attempting to help christians escape harsh roman prisons where they were often beaten and tortured fuck dude valentine's day is so brutal i love it according to one legend an imprisoned Valentine actually sent the first Valentine greeting himself after he fell in love with a young girl, possibly his jailer's daughter, who visited him during his confinement. Before his death, it is alleged that he wrote a letter signed from your Valentine, an expression that is still in use today. Although the truth behind the Valentine legend is murky, the stories all emphasize his appeal as a sympathetic, heroic, and most importantly, romantic figure. By the Middle Ages, perhaps thanks to this reputation, Valentine would become one of the most popular saints in England and in France. Origins of Valentine's Day is actually a pagan festival in February. While some believe that Valentine's Day is celebrated in the middle of February to commemorate the anniversary of Valentine's death or burial, which probably occurred around A.D. 270, others claim that Christians, Christian church may have decided to place St. Valentine's Feast Day in the middle of February in an effort to Christianize the pagan celebration of Lupercilia. Lupercilia. I don't really know. Lupercalia. If you're a Christian, let me know if you know what the fuck I'm talking about, because I sure as hell don't, because I'm not Christian. I was was actually raised Catholic, but I don't really fucking follow or practice it at all. I don't really like a religion that tells you you have to kneel and stand. And it's really fucking boring to me. I digress. Celebrated at the ideas at the Idis of February or February 15th, Lupercalia was a fertility festival dedicated to the Faunus, the Roman god of agriculture, as well as the Roman founders Romulus and Remus. To begin the festival, members of the Luperci, an order of Roman priests, would gather at a sacred cave where the infants Romulus and Remus, the founders of Rome, were believed to have been cared for by a she-wolf or lupa. The priest would sacrifice a goat for fertility and a dog, 
Jesus, for a purification. <laughs> I mean, what ritual is good without some good old sacrificing? They would then strip the goat's hide into strips, dip them into the sacrificial blood. That's how you make beef jerky. That's where Jack Link's recipe comes from. And take to the streets, gently slapping both women in crop fields with the goat hide. Oh, that's hot. <laughs> Far from being fearful, Roman women welcomed the touch of the hides because it was believed to make them more fertile in the coming year. Huh, so if you women are trying to look for some fucking babies this Valentine's Day, grab some fucking goat hide and slap your slap your coochies and shit. <laughs> Later in the day, according to legend, all the young women in the city would place their names in a big urn. The city's bachelors would each choose a name and become paired for the year with his chosen woman. These matches often ended in marriage. Lupercalia survived the initial rise of Christianity, but was outlawed as it was deemed unchristian at the end of the 5th century, when Pope Gallius declared February 14th St. Valentine's Day. It was not until much later, however, that the day became definitively associated with love. During the Middle Ages, it was commonly believed in France and England that February 14th was the beginning of birds' mating season, which added to the idea that the middle of Valentine's Day should be a day for romance. Valentine's greetings were popular as far back as the Middle Ages, though written Valentine's didn't begin to appear until after 1400. The oldest known Valentine still in existence today was a poem written in 1415 by Charles Duke of Orleans to his wife while he was imprisoned in the Tower of London following his capture at the Battle of the Agincourt, or Agincourt, Agincourt, whatever. The greeting is now part of the manuscript collection of the British Library in London, England. Several years later, it is believed that King Henry V hired a writer named John Lydgate to compose a Valentine note to Catherine of Valois. 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 Valois? Fuck, I don't even know how to fucking say these words. In addition to the United States, Valentine's Day is celebrated in Canada, Mexico, the United Kingdom, France, and Australia. In Great Britain, Valentine's Day began to be popularly, popularly, popularly celebrated around the 17th century. By the middle of the 18th, it was common for friends and lovers of all social classes to exchange small tokens of affection or handwritten notes. And by the 1900s, printed cards began to replace written letters due to improvements in printing technology. So basically, because of technology, it just made us more fucking lazy. God damn it, technology. Ready-made cards were an easy way for people to express their emotions in a time when direct expression of one's feelings was discouraged. Cheaper postage rates also contributed to an increase in the popularity of sending Valentine's Day greetings. Americans probably began exchanging handmade Valentines in the early 1700s. In the 1840s, Esther A. Howland began selling the first mass-produced Valentines in America. Helen, known as the mother of Valentine, made elaborate creations with real lace, ribbons, and colorful pictures known as scrap. Today, according to the Greeting Card Association, an estimated 145 million Valentine's Day cards are sent each year, making Valentine's Day the second largest card-sending holiday of the year. More cards are sent at Christmas. Oh, interesting. Women purchase approximately 85% of all Valentines. So that's your little history lesson for Valentine's Day. Now let's get on to the real shit that you came here for, which is the fucking murders. 
Now, moving on to the murders. Well, some of these are murders. Most of them are actually murders. I think all of them are actually murders. But some of them are not because of crimes of passion. Or, well, at least one isn't. But here we go. In 2015, the Alabama Sheriff's Department discovered the bodies of an elderly husband and wife who were the victims of an apparent murder-suicide. Their investigation showed that that a 77-year-old husband shot and killed his wife, who was 76, before killing himself. Now, the article that I found associated with that, because where I first found this story, didn't really give a lot of information, but here... And even the news article I found didn't really hold a lot of information as they weren't really disclosing the names of the victims and everything because the family didn't want their names to be public. Officials with the Madsen County Sheriff's Office have released no additional details about the Valentine's Day murder-suicide of an elderly Tony couple, and it will likely remain that way. Sergeant Brian Chaffin said the department is withholding the names of the couple at the request of the family. Madison County Coroner's Office is also keeping the names quiet. Okay, that's fine. Keep your secrets. AL.com has learned the names of the couple, which is where I found this article, but is withholding the information out of respect for the family's wishes. So again, keep your secrets. Deputies were called out shortly after 10 a.m. on Saturday morning to the couple's home in the 1700 block of Ready Section Road, where they found the couple's bodies. The subsequent... Investigation indicated that the 77-year-old husband shot and killed his wife, who was aged 76, before killing himself. The couple was dealing with long-term illness, officials say, though it is unclear who was ill. There was no history of domestic violence, and court records show the husband had no criminal record. So, suffice it to say, I imagine that the husband probably either... I think it was the wife... She was probably ill. She was probably the one dying. She was probably terminal. And he didn't want her to suffer. And this happened back in 2015. Uh, so I doubt there was any uh, state that was allowing... Um, I don't remember the name of that fucking thing that they passed. But it's basically where if you're suffering from a terminal illness and you're going to basically die and you're given so many months to live, you can choose to opt out of life pretty much. At that point, um, they allow you to, to basically kill yourself. I said basically a lot. I, I realize that. But you know what? Fuck it. And um, I doubt that they had something like that in the, in where, you know, in their state. So he probably thought, man, I don't want to see my fucking wife like that. You know, just, you know, and that's your Valentine's Day gift is me ending your pain and suffering. Love makes you do crazy things. So the next one is. In a shocking turn of events, Olympic and Paralympic runner Oscar Pistorius shot his girlfriend, model Riva Stinkamp, at their home in Pretoria. Initially, he was charged with manslaughter, but that has overturned, and that much heftier charge of murder was applied to the runner. At his trial, Pistorius said repeatedly that he accidentally killed his, that he accidentally killed his girlfriend when he believed his home had been broken into. <laughs> are you gonna accidentally like i mean maybe maybe but i highly doubt that shit would fucking happen i highly doubt that shit i highly doubt it because it, it seems it seems a little too far-fetched oh i didn't recognize you unless it was like super fucking dark but i fucking highly doubt that so here's the article that i found associated with it 
South African Blade Runner, which was his nickname, Oscar Pistorius, a double amputee who became one of the biggest names in world athletics, was charged on Thursday with shooting dead his girlfriend at his upscale home in Pretoria. Pretoria. It almost sounds like Pretoria from Family Guy. Police said they opened a murder case after a 30-year-old woman was found dead at the Paralympic and Olympic Stars House in the Silver Lakes gated complex on the capital's outskirts. Pistorius, 26, and his girlfriend, model Riva Stenkamp, had been the only people in the house at the time of the shooting. Police Brigadier Dennis Bukes told reporters adding witnesses had been interviewed about the early morning incident. We are talking about neighbors and people that heard things earlier in the evening and when the shooting took place, Bukes said outside the heavily guarded residential complex. Police said a 9mm pistol had been found at the scene. Buke said police were aware of previous incidents at the Pistorius house. I can confirm that there have been has previously been incidents at the home of Mr. Oscar Pistorius. I've been saying have I been saying Pistorius or Pretorius? Of allegations of a domestic nature, she said. Pistorius, who uses carbon fiber prosthetic blades to run, is due to appear in a Pretoria court on Friday. He's doing well, but very emotional, his lawyer Kenny Ogwidge told journalists and gave no further comment. A sports icon for triumphing over disability to compete with able body athletes at the Olympics. His sponsorship deals, including one year with sports apparel group Nike, are thought to be worth $2 million a year. Jesus. South Africa's Mnet cable TV channel said it was pulling adverts featuring Pistorius off air immediately after blanket coverage of the arrests in a country more used to honoring Pistorius as a national hero. We are all devastated. Steenkamp's colleagues in the modeling world were distraught. We are all devastated. Her family is in shock. Her agent, Sarita Tomlinson, tearfully told reporters they did have a good relationship. Nobody actually knows what happened. They don't. This uh, article has a lot of typos. It's actually not my terrible reading. It's actually the article this time. Pistorius, who was born without a fibula in both legs, was the first double, double amputee to run in the Olympics and reach the 400-meter semifinals in London of 2012. In last year's Paralympics, he suffered his first loss over 200 meters in nine years. After the race, he questioned the legitimacy of a Brazilian winner, Alan Oliveira's prosthetic blades, though he was quick to express regret for the comics. Comments. South Africa has some of the world's largest rates of violent crime, and many homeowners have weapons to defend themselves against intruders. Although Pistorius Complex is surrounded by a three-meter-high wall and electric fence, in 2004, Springbok rugby player Rudy Visage shot dead his 19-year-old daughter after he mistakenly thought she was a robber trying to steal his car. In the middle of the night. Jesus. <laughs> so I guess it's kind of kind of common, I guess. Mm, I, don't, I don't know. I still kind of, I, I don't think so. So let's move on to the next one because it just goes on to the next one that I just said about um that dude that fucking shot his daughter. But that's not what's going to be for the next Valentine's Day one. So that m- shooting that he shot his wife actually happened on valentine's day which a lot of people think is weird so this next one is weird and gross and it's kind of long but bear with me because this is the stuff of love everybody stephen grant walked into the macomb county police department 
on a Valentine's Day and reported his wife missing. Three weeks later, they found her torso in his garage. 34-year-old Tara Lynn Grant was killed by her husband in their home in Washington Township, Michigan. And this was just the beginning. Stephen said his wife and mother of his two young children vanished on the night of February 9th. He claimed she returned from her job in Puerto Rico, fought with him, and then left getting into a mysterious dark car. After police found the torso, just the torso in the home, they found more body parts all over a wooded area near Stony Creek Metro Park. Stephen did not confess to the murder until after he was arrested, even though he previously pronounced his innocent and undying love and concern for his wife. But a former girlfriend then turned over a whole lot of damning evidence, including emails from Stephen in which he mocked marriage vows and offered to let the woman, a nursing student, practice sponge baths on him. <laughs> he also said he was suspicious about his wife's relation, uh, relations with an old boyfriend and an older man at her work, which probably justified his actions in his own head. And believe me, the way this guy looks, that's why I'm laughing, because he look, his head is... Looks like a fucking giant penis. He's 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 a literal dickhead. <laughs> Stephen let the authorities into his home for the search and then fled the scene immediately afterwards. Authorities had to search the area for him, contact relatives, and comb his neighborhood, and even reached out to his lawyer. By no means did we expect to recover what we did, said Macomb, said Macomb County Sheriff Mark Heckle, regarding the multiple body parts found around the area but then steven eventually confessed to the crime and was arrested while he was waiting for his trial he was housed at the macomb county jail also residing there okay was jennifer kukla jennifer was found mentally ill but still guilty of first degree murder in the deaths of an 18 year old alexandria and five-year-old ashley Police discovered the bodies of her daughters and the family's three pet Pomeranians in their mobile home in Macomb Township on February 4th in 2007, about 25 miles north of Detroit. Officers testified during her trial that Kukla said she heard the voice of the devil telling her to kill the girls and the dogs. But here's a twist, a twist so big that it gives M. Night Shyamalan a fucking boner. Jennifer gave prison authorities over a dozen love letters that were written to her from Stephen Grant himself. Grant also wrote two letters to another inmate and four to a woman named Sarah. Though Jennifer said those were in response to letters she had written to him using that name. So basically, Jennifer posed as another person, as another girl named Sarah, so she could get more letters from Stephen. Grant told Jennifer he wished they could arrange a rendezvous in the, clo in the, in the closet one of these days. And he put a smiley face, uh, the old school emoji, the one that you actually had to type out on a keyboard. Yes, he put in a smiley face. He also wrote that the chats with Kukla helped to keep him sane and said he missed his son, daughter, and wife, Tara. I have to tell you that you are the first person to ask if I miss Tara. And the answer is yes, he wrote in the letter. Jennifer said she wrote to him because she and other inmates wanted to know what he would say about his crime. Grant was officially was eventually sentenced to 50 to 80 years in prison for second-degree murder of his wife and moved to another prison away from Jennifer. There is no word if they are still corresponding, and this is still a better love story than Twilight. 
This one is Nathan Lethal and his wife Denise met a Lithuanian student while on a missionary trip to Eastern Europe. When the girl turned 18, the husband and wife team sponsored her immigration to the United States. But things turned dark after Nathan allegedly fell in love with the student and killed his wife so the two could be together. He told police his wife had been the victim of a home invasion, but after looking at his computer and noticing that he googled how to muffle a gun, <laughs> hitting someone over the head to knock them out, and lethal injection, the jig was up. He was soon later caught. He was actually arrested the day before Valentine's Day. Man gets life sentence plus 35 years for Valentine's Day murder. And his name is Gibson Paul was living with Tamika Peterson in West Palm Beach. But on Valentine's Day of 2011, Tamika decided she no longer wanted to live with Gibson and certainly did not want him to be her Valentine, which is one of the reasons he is crying in a mugshot. And it's the mugshot that they show on this article that I found. Yes, that is his real mugshot and not a still from why he don't want me, man. <laughs> what? Episode of French Fresh Pins where Will confronts his estranged father. Oh, that episode's pretty fucking hard. I'm not gonna lie. That's the episode where, like, I'm pretty sure, come on, man, we all grew up with fucking Fresh Pins. I kind of like that show, but I'm not gonna lie. The episode is kind of like a, a fucking hard to watch episode because he's like, why does he want me, man? Tamika informed Gibson that she would be leaving him and that she would be moving out of their shared apartment. She then tried to end the relationship and leave the apartment with some friends for safety. But instead of taking a step back, a few deep breaths, and spending some time thinking about how he was to blame, how he was to blame for all this, he grabbed his semi-automatic pistol and baked a cake. No, I'm joking. He opened fire on the car that his newly ex-girlfriend was in, which contained a male driver and two female passengers and a three-year-old girl. One woman was grazed by a bullet, but it was Tamika that took the brunt of Gibson's rage. She was shot five times and died at the scene. Gibson was arrested and charged with first-degree murder, aggravated assault, five counts of shooting into an occupied vehicle, and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. Gibson demanded a speedy trial and acted as his own attorney. That's never a good call when you don't, don't really know about the law or anything. Naturally, a 29, he's, I guess he wanted to be Ted Bundy. Naturally, a 29-year-old convicted felon facing eight charges would be able to aptly defend himself, but soon after the trial began, Gibson realized he's not the best decision maker and asked Circuit Judge Karen Miller to have Assistant Public Defender Aaron Ritchie rejoin him and take over his defense. Even with a real lawyer, Gibson received life in prison on the first-degree murder charge, 20 years on the aggravated assault charge, and 15 years each on charges of shooting into an occupied vehicle and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, which he must have to serve in the afterlife. Anyway, guys locked away forever. I fucking hate when journalists write like that. Anyways, let's move on to the next one. This one's a little bit of a short one. Andrea Gonzalez, a school teacher and daughter of a deceased municipal judge, was charged with first degree murder after she allegedly after she allegedly bashed her husband's head in on Valentine's Day. EMTs responding to Consales is it Consales or Con it's not Consuela. EMTs responding to Consales called noted significant fractures to the face, head, and torso that appeared to have been caused by blunt force. In her trial, she told the court that her husband had fallen, but the prosecution deemed the injuries 
consistent with a homicide. I I wonder what if people really think that they're gonna get away with this shit sometimes. Like they're oh I'm I'm in the clear. Like there's no way he fell down the stairs or he fell down. Which by the way, the staircase documentary is a pretty interesting one. It's one about a husband who claimed his wife fell down the stairs, but um, attorney uh, prosecutors felt it, uh, it was a different story because her lacerations on her head and everything didn't seem to corroborate with the story that she fell down the stairs. But uh, it's a pretty good, pretty good documentary, so check that out. Um, it's a good Valentine's Day movie to watch if you don't want to go out or something. This next one is Tiana noticed a 25-year-old girl. That's her her last name. It's not Tiana noticed, but it's Tiana Notice, I think. A 25-year-old girl working on her master's degree in communications at the University of Hartford was dating James Carter II. But in 2008, her relationship with James went south, so Tiana ended it. James apparently was not happy with this decision, like, at all. He, he went a little nuts, to say the least. Tiana even got a restraining order against James, but that didn't stop him. According to Tiana's mother, Kathy Lewis, the last months of her daughter's life were horrendous. She said, James terrorized Tiana, and she pleaded with police to do something, but when the police did nothing, Tiana had her father put up a surveillance camera outside of her apartment. That surveillance camera recorded Tiana's screams as James butchered her outside of her apartment and saw her trying to run away from her killer. But the stabbing itself was not caught on film. Tiana called 911 and told them that her ex-boyfriend had just stabbed her and she was bleeding to death. Both the 911 call and the surveillance video were shown to the jury as well as a poem written by Tiana read by her father. The poem titled Chapter Close was about leaving James. She wrote about being released from his temper, torture, threats, ego, jealousy, and insecurity. An empty house in solitude is how he will spend his days, she wrote. And I rest assured in knowing I'm beautiful, smart, and on my way. That was, that was in her poem. James received 60 years in prison, and his murder case helped influence changes to the state's domestic violence laws. So it sucks that somebody had to lose their life in order for a change to happen, but I mean... It's at least it's good at least that she didn't die in vain in that way. After moving this this next one is also a short one as well, but after moving into a new apartment on Valentine's Day, Don Dixon Bay stabbed her husband twice in the chest while he was laying on the living room couch. <laughs> Dixon Bay argued self-defense, but there were multiple witnesses against that prosecuted that said they overheard her threaten to stab her husband during past arguments. So I guess she made good on her word, eventually. Now here's this next one. Ignacia Manriquez was in a relationship with Juan Manuel Navarro, and they had three children together. But Juan suddenly ended the relationship in 1993. Everything was normal at first, and Ignacia even remained friendly with her ex for the sake of the children. But when Juan had a change of heart and Ignacia refused to take him back, Juan decided to kill her. Because if I can't have you, nobody can. San Bernardino County Deputy... Oh my god, this happened in San Bernardino County. This is, we're learning something new all, all the time. The San Bernardino County Deputy District Attorney who prosecuted the case, Margaret Bevan, said Juan followed Ignacia to her family's home. One of the kids allows him to come in because it's dad. And they start to argue. She pulls out a restraining order. He says, no piece of paper is going to keep me from you. He then followed them to a local shopping center, and the two ended up fighting in a parking lot. 
Witness Bradford Montgomery testified he saw the couple arguing near her vehicle. He sees her crying, Bevan said. Then he saw Navarro point the gun to her head and shoot her. Ignacio was shot at point-blank range. She was shot in the stomach as she fell, then again on both sides of her head when she was on the ground, according to officials. He shot her in the head at point-blank range, then in the stomach twice, then in the head twice again. Most vampires aren't executed to this degree. Most vampires? What the fuck? It doesn't even make sense. Why would a judge or a fucking attorney even say that? Is he a vampire hunter by night or something? Mr. Montgomery was not the only witness to the crime. Juan killed Ignacia in front of their four-year-old son, Juanito. <laughs> oh my god. Juan picked up the boy and ran with him. I'm, I'm sorry I'm laughing. It's just, I know it's so fucked up to laugh at. It's just, that's my coping mechanism. Don't judge me. Juan picked up the boy and ran with him. An anonymous person dropped Juanito, the son, off at a relative's home 17 days later. When police interviewed the little boy about what happened, he said, Ketchup is everywhere. Oh my god, that's so horrible. Ketchup is everywhere. According to his aunt, the young boy, now 22, has suffered and will continue to carry the burden of what he witnessed. His mental state is not of a 22-year-old. God, that's so fucking sad. But I can't believe he said ketchup is everywhere. <laughs> I just imagine he gets like a french fry and tries to dip it. <laughs> He's very insecure, unstable, and suffers from anxiety. He did not finish high school no matter how much his grandparents and family insisted and persuaded for him to continue his education. He just didn't see, seem to see beyond the shooting, as I imagine you wouldn't be able to. It's a traumatic event. He probably has PTSD from seeing that. Juan took off to Mexico, where he hid for 19 years, but in 2012, Juan was found and prosecuted for the murder of Ignacia and was sentenced to 30 years to life in prison for the murder of his girlfriend and mother of his children. So, that still sucks, though. He got to live 19 more years of his life in freedom. Fucking asshole. That's crazy. Fucking sick fuck. So, here's another short one as well. I'm going to... It's kind of like a rapid-fire thing, I guess you can say. But, um... It's, it's kind of just to make up for not having a, a This Week in Crime as uh, those are kind of popular, somewhat popular, but the most popular are the 911 calls, which will be happening soon again. So get excited for that. Sean Work, 32, had only been dating Tiffany Barnhill for a short amount of time when he, along with two other women, kicked in the door to Tiffany's home and began firing a gun indiscriminately. Afterwards, the two accomplices testified that Warwick said to them, I fucked up. Tiffany Barnhill's body was found in the apartment a short time later. The police who responded to the gunshots described the scene they found on Valentine's Day of 2011 as eerily quiet and a scene of horror. Jesus. So here's, here's another one. It's also another short one. Lindsay K. Savannarith. I'm pretty sure I fucked that up. And Rendell, Rand, and Rendell Steven Shepard were planning on ruining Valentine's for Halifax. Yeah, that's what it says on ruining. Shepard were planning on ruining Valentine's for Halifax in 2015 when they almost executed a mass murder spree that was to take them throughout Halifax Shopping Center. But luckily, no one was hurt because of Savin Nareth's intense social media presence. Oh, okay. I never heard of her, though. 
Before her arrest, she was not only posting pro-Nazi and Columbine photos on Tumblr, but she was also tweeting things like Valentine's Day, it's going down. And she and her co-conspirators were charged with conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to commit arson, and conspiracy to use weapons for a dangerous purpose and unlawfully conveying threats through social media. I'm not going to lie, she's actually pretty attractive because the, the, this website shows a picture of her and she's pretty attractive. Crazy bitches, man. I'll tell you what. Anyways, uh, this one is uh, Richard Showick planned to meet his wife at Belton Bridge Park on Valentine's Day to exchange cards. Aww. It was somewhat of a tradition and a very endearing one at that. But at around 9 p.m. that night, the police received a phone call from Stacy Showick saying she found her husband lying outside his truck and that he had been shot three times in the stomach and twice in the face. Jesus. Stacy was not immediately thought of a suspect until officials did a little research. One investigator found that there were some pending life insurance claims totaling $560,000. Jeez. One of the policies was activated on February 1st, and Stacy was the sole beneficiary, and on top of that, not so damning yet suspicious evidence, Stacy was also having an affair. So Stacy convinced a plot to kill her husband and make off with his life insurance, but she couldn't do it alone. She recruited her former employee, Lenitra Ross, and her personal trainer, Reginald Coleman. Reginald. All three were indicted on malice murder charges. Court documents said that Stacy Showick was a planner, Coleman was a convicted felon, was the trigger man, and Ross, who was supervised by Stacy Showick at a Del Clab County Spinal Clinic, acted as their go-between. An analysis of cell phone records and tower activity, including the one nearest to the Belton Bridge Park crime scene, is what led authorities to the two other people in this crime. According to court documents, all the defendants' locations and communications with one another were documented before and possibly after the crime between 8.40 p.m. and 9 p.m. The trial for all three suspects are pending. Damn, that chick was fucking trifling. She was, she was, that is one thing that I notice about women when it comes to murders. You guys are fucking pl like planners. Man, you guys are methodical as fuck because guys just kind of act on a whim and just like a, like in a fit of rage or like just decide no we don't really plan that much but women that's you guys scare me the most man you guys fucking plan john hamilton a big time doctor in oklahoma city showered his wife susan with gifts starting with a porsche he gave her the day they got married this is completely normal for a happy and balanced marriage i think john was so astounded that he had her that he had such a wonderful perfect hat body wife in his opinion said sherry kofi susan's best friend but on valentine's day of 2001 john came home between surgeries to find his wife lying on the bathroom floor because she was hungry and the only way to feed him is it strangled with two of his ties with her head smashed so badly that parts of her brain were exposed fuck those are usually crimes of passion murders because um, when it's a person who just wants to kill... I'm not even going to get into it. You guys fucking know. You guys listen to true crime all the time. John went to work trying to revive his wife while the police and ambulance arrived. Susan could not be saved, unfortunately. John was not suspected at first until police found evidence that Susan had found records of dozens of calls from her husband's cell phone to a topless dancer and uncovered records of Susan telling friends she was thinking about asking John for a divorce. 
John was charged with murder and then headed to trial. His defense team hired a respected crime scene investigator, Tom Bevel, as an expert witness. Bevel, a blood splattered expert, test. How do you become a blood splatter expert, though? Like, how do you just fall into that? Like, who grows up thinking, like, yeah, I'm gonna grow up to be a blood splatter expert? Testified that the blood found on the doctor was consistent with his account of trying to save his wife. But before the trial, Bevel had also found some blood splatters in Hamilton's right sleeve that the prosecution expert hadn't seen. Bevel said he thought the blood pattern was consistent with what would have happened if Hamilton struck his wife. He said he didn't think it came from giving CPR. He told Primetime that the blood splatters were almost as uh, almost a neon sign pointing towards the wear of his shirt being associated with the being, beating. When Bevel was under oath, he was asked if there was anything the prosecution missed, so he spilled the beans on the blood. He told the court, it was consistent with Hamilton beating his wife over the head with a blunt instrument. It took the jury less than two hours to convict Hamilton of first-degree murder, and he was later sentenced to life in prison, convicted by his own expert defense witness. Damn. So basically, uh, I say so basically a lot. Fuck. So what happened was the witness that was actually for, um, what what's his name, John? Hamilton actually kind of said the evidence against him. So that's why he's fucking in prison. But you know what, though? That's almost like Chris Watts. Chris Watts was having an affair, too, and he just didn't have the balls and fucking man up to just end the relationship. Why is it so hard for you to... That's how you know that fucking dude's crazy. Because he would rather kill his wife and his two children who have nothing to do with it instead of just having the balls to fucking just say you know what i'm sorry i can't do this anymore and just end the relationship that's how you know that dude's fucking crazy because he sees that killing his wife and everything is a lot easier than fucking saying you know what i'm sorry i don't want to be with you oh my god like how is that so hard just fucking just do it if you don't want to be with the person don't be with it it's not that hard it's not i can tell you that much it's not but obviously it's easier killing killing your fucking loved one than it is oh god anyways let's move on to this next one high school sweethearts nicholas Councilman and stephanie hart grizzle were having lunch at a subway sandwich shop a few blocks south of columbine high school stephanie was waiting for nicholas to finish closing up the shop so they could go out together a few minutes after midnight on Valentine's Day, a co-worker passing by saw the lights were still on, so they checked in. They found Nicholas and Stephanie shot, lying on the floor. Witnesses reported seeing a young man who walked away from the subway shop at about the time the teenagers were killed. Eight years later, the case has gone cold. There have been a number of times we've worked leads that seem very promising, said Jackie Kelly, spokeswoman for the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office. The tips did uncover a drug ring selling cocaine and marijuana that operated near the store. That the shop was not robbed the night of the slayings, leading investigators to believe the deaths were drug-related and therefore accidental. Stephanie was involved with sports such as swimming for the Foothills Recreational District swim team. In his spare time, Nicholas played the guitar, listened to music, and became the Colorado Junior Disc Golf Champion. Both were very shy. I don't know why they decided to fucking mention that. But now, we come to the last one of the Valentine's Day murders. 
Yeah, here we go. It was a sad morning on Valentine's Day in 2015 when officers... I'm sorry, it's because the article that I'm getting most of these from, this person really does not proofread his material because he's... This is what he actually said. It was a sad morning on Valentine's Day morning. I don't... I feel like that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, In 2015, when officers responded to a call about gunshots and discovered the bodies of Scott and Rebecca Cladwell, the coroner ruled the deaths a murder-suicide, and they posted that the murder stemmed from a domestic dispute. Well, that's it. That's all the time I have for you guys today. Hope you guys enjoyed this Valentine's Day special episode, Um, and I hope you guys are just pounding away with your loved one. (laughs) Or, you know, hope you're getting what you want, whatnot. But it's not about the gifts, though. It's not about the gifts. It's about the love. But anyways, I hope this makes up for not having a This Week in Crime. Because I kind of just kind of had it go that way as like a This Week in Crime. Originally, I was going to do a particular case. But I thought, why the hell not? Instead of focusing on one, why not focus on a bunch? Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, Feel free to follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter yet. I'm trying to get a Twitter, but I don't know if I want to get a Twitter because just messing with Instagram is kind of a lot for me. And I have a Facebook, which you can find at facebook.com forward slash Strange Talk Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Strange Talk Podcast. You can send me emails all you want all day long if you want to to be featured in This Week in Crime. Send me articles and stuff uh, via email at Strange Talk Podcast. Or even if you want to, you can send it through Instagram at Strange Talk Podcast because I... I'm usually on there anyways. And to be honest with you, I, I have more people that were sharing like stuff that I posted because everything that I post on Instagram goes to the Facebook um, of Strange Talk Podcast. And I honestly did not know how to work it because for the longest time I was getting people asking me questions and, and, and commenting on certain posts that I guess posted to the Facebook from the Instagram and I never knew how to check it. I barely learned today how to check it. <laughs> So I'm sorry, I will start responding to everybody who's been messaging me on there because I didn't know how to check it beforehand because I'm a fucking pleb. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's uh, special episode of Valentine's Day, celebrating the day of love and buying chocolates and flowers and that one special day of the year when your wife decides to give you a good blowjay. So as always, stay strange and stay tuned for Monday's episode, which shall be a good episode, at least I hope. As always, again, can't thank you guys enough for listening to today's episode. Stay strange.